ladies and gentlemen, I'm Negan, and this is the resurrected version of the PiffCast. We're here at CSN Chicago right now, and usually The Walking Dead is water cooler talk here, but we're taking it to a whole new level here with our Dead Talk podcast, is what we're going to call it. Uh, joining me, we have Tony and Drackey, Cubs Talk on Twitter. He hosts the Cubs Talk podcast, Fantasy Football, and... Uh, Moving on to something different here. Who is your character? We're going to go around and say who is your go-to character when it comes to The Walking Dead. Tony. Uh, you know what? Uh, maybe a year or two ago, I would have said Glenn, but obviously we can't say that anymore. So I guess I would probably update to Daryl because uh, I, I just like him the most. And at this point, I feel like obviously Rick you know, carries the show in so many ways. But to me, if Daryl was killed off, I would seriously question whether I would watch the show or not or continue to watch it. Also with us here, Emmy-nominated producer, cameraman. We're going to just make him blush on air here. Uh, and also, Brett Eldridge's new best friend, <laughs> Scott Shagnon. What's happening, Scott? I don't know too much. Not too much. Yeah. And uh, you're kind of reeling a little bit from that, that finale, right? Uh, it wasn't as, uh, of all the seven finales, it wasn't anywhere near the top three, I would say. Um, I think last year's was probably number one for me as far as, like, on the edge of the seat watching the show. Um, I had a feeling it was very predictable, I thought season seven was, as far as from where it started in that first episode where we where they reveal who dies until all the way through the end. Um, but it was still a, a very satisfying episode, I thought, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to what they can do in season eight. Number one character at this point? Oh, man, there's so many. Um, I'm going to have to go with uh, Dwight. I like that. I like that a lot. And I think he's going to do some good for these guys. We're going to we're definitely going to go into what Dwight is all about in a little bit. Yeah. So also with us, Karen Ginsburg, the queen of the dead here at CSN <laughs> Chicago. That's your new nickname, Karen. Okay. When I when I first started here, I think it was probably like seven months ago. First thing I talked about with Karen was our, our Walking Dead fandom, <laughs> that and Banshee. And oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Karen, who is your go-to character? Well, I have several, but I have to say that with this finale, one thing that would have made it perfect for me would have been if Carol had had underneath her little flak jacket or whatever a flowered sweater <laughs> while she was carrying the AK-47. I thought that would have been great. I also love King Ezekiel because I think he's one of the few people who can use the words capricious malevolence <laughs> in a sentence and have it work. But um, overall, though, if Daryl was killed, Rick was killed, Michonne, if, if Michonne was killed, I would have to stop watching the show because that just would put an end to it for me. So this is our Dead Talk podcast, mm -hmm. and what we want to do is... Talk about what got you guys into this show in the first place. Before we get into the finale, before we get into season seven, what grabbed you onto The Walking Dead? Starting with Karen here. Okay, I would say that first episode, Days Gone By, I tell anybody who hasn't seen The Walking Dead, I say, check out this episode because it's about a person waking up with the world being turned upside down. And you care about Rick, you care about Morgan, you care, you're like, this poor man, what has happened to him? He's been in, the, you know, in a horrible, horrible accident, you know, where he was shot by some redneck, you know, with causing a car wreck that they were, you know, he was on duty. And, you know, he wakes up and like, where is everybody? Everything's gone. And I think that's what drew me into the whole show. And then as the cast grows, 
where you get Carol and Daryl and Crazy Merle and you know the hippie guy with the microbus, whatever it is. I mean, it's just the characters are what draws you in and what keeps you going. The walkers to me are secondary. I mean, they're great effects, whatever, but they're zombies. You know, but it's the people dealing with an impossible situation. That's what drew me into the show, and that's what keeps me watching. For me, I feel like it's the living is way more dangerous than the dead on this mm -hmm. show, and it starts out that way with Rick having to point that gun at a zombie little girl right there. That set the tone the rest yeah. of the way. Scott, how about you? What got you in this show? Uh, well, I didn't start watching until I believe season three on a regular basis, so I was able to binge seasons one and two. That's probably for the better. And that was pretty awesome because it uh, really um, got you hooked that quickly in about a week span compared to two years of watching it. Um, so what's that difference like when you go from binging a show for two seasons, so you've got that all knocked out in less than a month probably, mm -hmm. to having to wait week to week? I mean, it was fine because it gave you that water cooler talk and talking with all you guys uh, every day or every Monday, I should say. It was, it was good to kind of get caught up and kind of looks, looks forward to the weekend and the end of the weekend, too, because it's always on Sunday night. And uh, um, I don't think there's going to be a time when I stop watching it, even though, like, my desire to watch it might not be as high. Um, I mean, I still watch every episode of Fear the Walking Dead, but there's still not that same love for the characters. You just don't feel it the way you do, like Karen was saying, with Rick and the guys. Um, and then going back to like how some people are dangerous, um, you know, in that first season, Rick confronts that gang um, who stole Glenn, I believe. And then it turned out he was just like a janitor at a um, uh, laundry or at a yeah. old folks home. And he's not as powerful as he seems, but it's crazy how the world, when it changes, makes people seem so much bigger than they really are. Tony, how about you? For me, you know, I, I kind of, I was a little late to the party. I, it was sometime in the middle of season two where I saw a lot of people talk about it on social media and a lot of friends discuss the topic. And that kind of encouraged me to go back to it. And like Karen said, that first episode, I was hooked right away. And what I think is, is the biggest thing is, yeah, I care about the characters and everything so much, but every episode of Walking Dead I've ever watched, I'm always thinking about what I would do, right? So like, that's where we talk about like favorite characters. I mean, really it is Rick, like all said and done, because I always think to myself, what would I do in Rick's spot? If I was Rick here, what decision would I make? What would I do here? You know, and, and I really like that part of it because Game of Thrones, you know, I love that. We might have a podcast coming soon on that, but I can't sit here and think, what would I, you know, what would I do with Jon Snow's spot? Because I don't live in that world, and I don't live in the zombie apocalypse. But it's much more, it's much closer to reality of happening, even though it's not real. It's it it could, you know, someday. And there's always that level of uh, that level of belief that I have watching the show, and it's cool. It, it kind of is that like fourth wall that we talk about. And so I I get hooked and I sit and I'm like, dang, you know, I don't know if Rick and, and those people should have gone to Oceanside and acted like that. Now they look like the bad guys. And then I'm upset about, you know, the woman there. Um, I can't think of her name, the, the leader of the Oceanside community. And I'm like, I'm so mad at her. I'm like, why are you not going with them to help? Like this would help everything better. So it just, I put myself in the, in the, the character's shoes and that's what's hooked me more than any show that's on TV right now. What's, Interesting, and I'm glad you brought up Game of Thrones, is because Walking Dead has expanded its universe in a very Game of Thrones-like fashion. And the storytelling is a little bit different, but all of a sudden we have different factions throughout this post-apocalyptic area here. And uh, and instead, and 
I think this is our opportunity to go into how season seven, how that story was told. Because all of a sudden you have three different episodes covering the same amount of time mm -hmm. just because instead of Game of Thrones where you are rotating within an episode between you know, five different houses, we spent an entire episode on one of these factions, one at the hilltop, another in the sanctuary, and another... Following two characters. Following yeah. two characters the entire way. How did you guys feel about that storytelling? Well, on, a, on one hand, it was kind of confusing for me because I like the whole Game of Thrones thing where it's like you see what's happening and then it's like, oh... You know, you watch this episode, and then next week it's like, oh, so that's what's happening while she's over here, while Tara's over here, while Rick is here, what's happening at the sanctuary, what's happening at Hilltop. I don't know. I mean, I, I prefer the, the style of Game of Thrones just because it's more one and done. It's wrapped up, so you kind of know what to expect in the next week. For me, I think, uh, let's say I stop watching Walking Dead until, until it's over completely, and you go back and binge watch it, I think it'd be much more enjoyable that way. You know, for us, we watch it, and it's kind of like, oh, it's just following Daryl and Beth, and it's a whole episode. But then if you watch five or six episodes within a week, and it really ties it together a lot better, I think. But, you know, it does suck. You have to wait, and it does suck that they don't really have action-packed episodes all the time, but it's it's worth the storytelling, I think, sometimes. Um, and you can definitely tell, on like, and I'll, we'll talk about Sasha later, but, like, how her character's grown from the first time you see her at the prison to the last episode she was in. Yeah, for me, I think, it actually kind of annoys me. So I, I don't like going a whole episode without seeing Rick or without seeing that main group of characters that we've been following from at least season two because I know so many characters, you know, like Maggie and that didn't come around until season two. But I want to know what's always happening with Maggie and Rick. And I know they're separate, but I actually would much rather it be like Game of Thrones and you do, you know, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, 15 minutes wherever rather than you know, I, I think back to that episode, uh, the t like, I think it was two episodes in a row of The Governor, and we, like, saw his whole track after, you know, initially, like, being defeated by Rick and then, like, you know, falling in with a new line of people. And I was like, okay, well, I care about The Governor, but this is crap. Like, let's move on from this. This is way too long and drawn out, and Game of Thrones doesn't do that kind of stuff. So I would like to you know, a little bit here and there each week. I kind of wonder if they don't feel the pressure to give you the action packed almost every other episode because these are 16 episode long seasons, whereas Game of Thrones, they make use of their 10 episodes. And they're going to be doing it again this summer when they're doing seven each, you know, it, it's going to be the Soprano style, seven each half of it. Um, what were highlights for you guys this season? We'll go highlights and lowlights. So start with a highlight, then what was the lowlight for you? Tony, go for it. Uh, for me, I think the highlight was uh, finally getting to see the Tiger, uh, what, Shiva, actually get in, get in some battle. I thought that was pretty cool. And, uh, Piff, you sent uh, the tweet to us this morning, which I thought was great. Uh, Kari Payton, the actor... It responded to I think it was Michelle Beadle actually yeah, Michelle Beadle. yeah so uh, great sports mix, mixing with uh, Walking Dead so that's perfect for us here at CSN Chicago but um, you know saying that he shows flashcards of, of who the bad guys are to Shiva but I thought that was really cool and I know a few of my friends who watched the show were really upset at that part but for me I was like well this is entertaining as all hell like I love this get the get the tiger in involved more and you know he got in in that battle so I think that was definitely a highlight for me um, the low light, I, I think it's Gregory, I, just in general. I, I 
wince every time that guy comes on camera and you know he acted like he was like gonna kill maggie and then he couldn't even kill a walker so i can't wait till that guy dies and, and negan's actually grown on me but i can't wait till gregory dies i think for me man so much happened in season seven but i think uh to see daryl at his lowest lows listening to that song over and over and oh, over again oh, <laughs> and uh uh and then being able to get out and and then you see how he reacts to to Maggie for the first time and how he kind of stayed away from her. And then they finally got that emotional uh, stuff out of the way. Um, I think that was the, probably the high point for me with the season, seeing how his character went from the lowest to lows and that was able to escape Negan's sanctuary. And I'm scared as hell for I was scared as hell when, like, when he was away from there that they were going to catch him and something was going to happen. Well, I would say one of the lowlights was what happened with Rick when he was saying that uh, because of Judith, he had to submit to Negan, he had to go along with it, he had to, you know, go, had to, you know, obey Negan, for lack of a better word, he had to, you know, follow the line. But I, again, one of the high points was when you see him going off scavenging, and then he does find the scavengers, and they all have guns on him, and he kind of smiles at the end of the, re of the episode, and he's like, okay, Rick's going to come back, he's going to come and put up a fight again, because just seeing all the fight kind of out of Rick kind of broke my heart. And then again, one of the high points for me was also when Carol came back from got out of her, you know, funk. And then King Ezekiel, King Ezekiel was a high point for me this season <laughs> with, his, with Shiva. And everybody was that I was watching the show with, they were like, well, is the tiger okay at the end of the battle? Where's the tiger? Where's the tiger? Where's Shiva? <laughs> so... That was another high point for me was uh, the battle at the end. Even When I did watch it, Shiva, it, it's been probably well over a year since I've actually fist-pumped it. And I've, I've said this on yeah. social media, to something on The Walking Dead. And, and the season six had tons of those moments. But Shiva coming out involuntarily <laughs> made me punch my ceiling. That did it for me as well as uh, we'll talk about Sasha in a little bit. But my, my high point, and I know it's a little controversial, was actually the premiere. It was the premiere oh. and Negan establishing his dominance over this group. Not just this group, but the entire universe of what we know on this show. Because there's been so much buildup to this guy. Who's Negan? What's Negan? Cool, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's going to be Negan? Awesome. Looking forward to that. And I think he, in that episode, kind of represented what could be a great villain. Now, I can go back and forth on like how effective he's been as a character the entire way, but at powerful-wise and, and being unpredictable, that set the tone right there when it came to Abraham, when it came to Glenn and everyone around them who've been afraid ever since. Now, did you guys expect when it happened to be Glenn and Abraham? We didn't start this with a spoiler alert, and I'm not mad about it. If you haven't been caught up already, it's on you guys. Right? I expected it to be Abraham because Abraham was alpha, and Negan definitely would have seen him as a threat, but I did not expect Glenn. I mean, and that kind of, again, upset me. <laughs> but I knew it was going to be somebody else, but I definitely knew it was going to be Abraham. I thought it was when I, the whole off-season waiting for it to come, I thought it was either or, or I thought it was Eugene. Um, but then, you know, seeing both of them get their heads smacked in and then Glenn's eyeball was just like too much. It's like, holy crap, they went to this extreme. Um, and then go going back to Shiva real quick, like this show you can tell puts a lot of money in CGI to certain points. 
I think they did a great job with Shiva and a horrible job with like balloons and like mattresses on fire. Like they couldn't really take some mattresses and put them on fire. Like you could tell some of this is bad CGI, but some of it, Shiva's great. Like that attack scene was awesome. Half the budget in Shiva. Half the budget in Shiva. Did anybody see too, uh, Scotty, you put me onto this. It's Funny or Die, right? That yes. That like the greatest things. So they actually had a photo of the Shiva attack of how they did it. You guys should go man. look it out. Yeah, so it was a guy in like a blue man, like CGI group, right? And so he's just jumping off of like a trampoline and it just looks hilarious. So I encourage all of you to go look at like, it's like the 19 most ridiculous things from last night's episode. Definitely go check that out because that's really funny. But yeah, like in, to your point, Scotty, when I was watching it, I thought that was some of the best CGI of the whole show. Oh yeah. And now that we've brought up Shiva and we've talked about what we thought were the lowlights, the highlights of the show, it's time to get into the finale. The finale that might have been like the least anticipated finale in a while. Do you recall any buzz around this episode? I know it's going up against WrestleMania. It's going against up opening day with the Cubs and the Cardinals. And there's us right here who are excited to see how this finally resolves. And it starts with... Dwight encountering the group. Here's Dwight, meet everybody else outside of Daryl. Now, I found it very interesting that Tara was so eager to have him killed when she's been on the other side of that knife before with the governor. She was a part of that attack that killed Herschel. So it was kind of ironic in that way. How would have you guys, I guess if we've talked about putting yourselves on the show, how would you have handled all of a sudden someone from Negan saying that they want to help you out. Well, what I thought was interesting, too, is I don't know, maybe I heard this wrong, but when you see Dwight going off and Rick and Daryl are talking to each other, it they said something about he's the one who started all of this to begin with. And was it because Dwight let, I'm sorry, when Daryl met Dwight, he let him go because at the time, Dwight and his wife and his sister-in-law were trying to escape from Negan. Am I right on that? Mm -hmm. And so, but, and they should have, you know, and, and he tells Daryl, you should have killed me, but he didn't. And so I wonder if that kind of sort of brought them into Negan's universe because they didn't really know about him until then, until, you know, the hilltop, you know, they said, oh, they're pushing us around. And so anyway maybe Dwight kind of did start everything with Negan and Rick's group I don't know maybe I missed that completely but then again I don't know if I would trust Dwight <laughs> because of you know the history obviously but then again just because he says he wants out doesn't mean he's going to get out and he might bring the rest of them down while he's trying I I actually believe in Dwight. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, he's, as of now, my top character because I think that he truly wants to get out of Negan's world. You can see throughout the season when one of the uh, saviors is, like, walking back to, or he's, like, being forced back by Dwight, and he's like, you got to go. It's the rules and all that stuff, and he's just, just kill me. And he, you can tell in Dwight's face he agrees with him, but he can't right at the moment. Um, and now that his wife is gone, and you can see the emotional episode scene where he was at the house and with the was it beer or six pack pretzels of pretzels, yeah. and pretzels, and pretzels and beer and uh you could just tell with that note what it meant to him and now he knows she's gone and you can just tell at least in my gut feeling i think he truly wants to help everybody else out and kind of make up for what he did in the woods to daryl and company there 
Yeah, and I agree with you, Scotty. I think Dwight is for real, and I think they've been building to that in the show for a little while here. Uh, it makes sense, too. Just the motivations and, like, the psychology behind it is – I never understood why Dwight didn't just turn on Negan to begin with or how he became his, his, like, number one or number two, depending on where you rank Simon in that. But, yeah, so I think he, he finally is turning, and he's going about it in a much better way than just trying to run off and find his wife. Going on a little bit of a tangent here, I am curious, why doesn't the rest of the group just run? Why doesn't, like, Rick and everybody else? It, it's a question that I've asked myself so many times. I feel like I asked myself more and more as this season progressed, like, I, you know, and Dwight kind of put them on Negan's map, but why don't they just run? Like, it's not like Alexandria is so amazing now yeah. because everybody knows where it is and all the bad people know where it is. The Although, wolves. what happened to the wolves? That's a good point, too. You know, yeah. What happened to the wolves? And, you know, I mean, they're not the only bad group that's out there. I mean, did Negan ever come across Terminus or I, you know, anything else? With, with Rick, I think Negan reflects what Rick was about to become. If we recall, total Rickocracy, or Rick-tatorship, if you will, yeah. where he wanted to be in control of Alexandria and start branching out. This is kind of how they ran into Negan, was a little bit outside. This, this is Rick being very, very vain in a way. This is one of his flaws, that he does like to be in control of these things. And he thinks that it's his responsibility to make this world a better place by being in control of it a little bit. So when he runs into somebody like Negan, who does have control of it, and all eventually breaks him, I think, I think that's, where, that's why Rick couldn't run away at that point. I mean, there is, let's, let, let's, let's be real. There's, a, there's another, what, eight, or, you know, another ton, I'm sorry, I need to edit this part, but, like, there's the rest of the country here that they could go to, but they are so about this area right here and trying to build a life for Judith, for Maggie's child going forward. And, and in order to do so, they feel compelled to eliminate Negan or anyone like him at that point. That's true, and there's no guarantee if they go somewhere else, he won't come across going, another Negan. Going back to Rick's speech he made to, to King Ezekiel about like walking past the rock in the road and letting other people crash into it every other time, Rick knows if he doesn't take out Negan, and it's kind of back to that whole ethical thing, like if you don't save somebody, kind of like Glenn saved Rick in the first episode, um, you know, you're going to leave somebody else, some other group to come up upon the saviors, and the same thing will happen to them, and it's kind of like Rick wants to be that ultimate king, the ultimate leader, once they defeat the saviors, I believe. It's a kind of a selfish way to look at it in terms of Rick, but... That's kind of his, it's been his M.O. the whole way through, where um, he had just joined the group. All of a sudden, he wanted to be in control of it. He's Sheriff Rick. So, you know, he's pushing aside, um, why can't I think of his? Shane. Shane. He pushes Shane aside, who is in charge of that group already. And Shane's decisions were actually, looking at seasons like four, five, and six, were what Rick would have been doing back in one and two, but he was still back in, you know, human mode before the apocalypse kind of ethical standards, I thought, with Rick when he made decisions like not to kill the uh, the guy that in the barn and that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm lost on, like, these names. Aaron, yeah. 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 And then, I mean, right, and now Rick, we fast forward to the finale, and Rick almost killed Eugene. He tried to if it yeah. wasn't for the garbage people. Yeah. He did take a long pause, though, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, like a, a long like a pause and a head seconds, nod. yes. Were you ready for Eugene to get blown up at that point? 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I don't like his mullet, Mr. Smarty Pants. <laughs> How does he keep that mullet in the zombie apocalypse? Same way with like garbage leader. How does she keep those bangs so perfectly cut across? I don't know. Or hair dyed like yeah, I know, really. Yeah, that's uh, something that I'll never know. I didn't really understand Eugene's usefulness this entire time because I thought he gave up his value when he gave up his bullet recipe to uh, to Rick in the in the finale of season six so i thought that was going to be okay this is why we're going to say goodbye to eugene at that point but someone we did say goodbye to in this finale is sasha now sasha has been through a lot let's let's be honest is there a character that's that's lost more than sasha personally i think maggie has mm -hmm. but sasha she's she's lost abraham she's kind of lost a um She's lost Bob. We'll put yeah, it that way. And she lost her brother. And she lost yeah, her brother. Right. That was the very beginning. You know. And um, and so this is her opportunity. She was all ready to go guns blazing into the sanctuary and probably die that way. So let let's talk a little bit about the episode for her and how you guys saw this saw this thing going. Well, when she came out of the casket, I can say that was one of my top three did not see that one coming moment. I mean, and it was great because especially when Negan's trying to hold her off saying, oh, honey, oh, honey, you know, what's going on here? But um, um, it was also kind of sad because you just saw her having this flashbacks of what her life could have been like with Abraham. I, you know, I think, you know, she was like having sort of like in that dream state, you know, when she, and at first I didn't realize she was in a coffin or what was going on. I had to go back and watch the episode. And then when she also says to Negan at the very beginning, when, she, when they're having the talk, when he brings her the pancakes, she says, no, only one person has to die. One person has to die. And she was talking about herself. Mm -hmm. You know, she was going to, you know, take that pill and, you know, hopefully it would work. You know, she didn't know if she was going to turn into a walker when the, you know, by the time the casket had opened. And Could she, she have played it off as a, like, yeah. acted like she was a walker? Could she have done that if the, if the pill didn't work? I don't know. I'm she would thinking. have had to, like, you know, be sober and chew somebody's face off. I, you know, I don't know. Well, when I heard we were doing this podcast, this is, like, the number one thing I wanted to talk about with Sasha. And I remember watching the show and, and her revelation of, like, back to that dream world where she's like, Maggie has to take care of Maggie. And then... Yeah. Uh, you know, Abraham saying, you know, you didn't just mean that. And she agreed with them. And, and how you go back to the very first time we ever saw her, she's in the prison, she's in a safe place, and the only thing she wants to do is, give me the keys, screaming at Carl. And there's her brother calming her down. There's Bob calming her down later in episodes further. Um, and uh, Abraham tried to calm her down. So all these characters that meant so much to her tried to help her realize that this is a world where we're caring about people and, and sacrificing ourselves for the greater good. And you finally saw that in that final episode that she realized what she had to do. And that was the biggest thing for me character-wise and how her development has come from that very first scene we saw her in the prison yelling at Carl to being so selfish about trying to survive, which a lot of people in, this, in that yeah. zombie apocalypse world are, but you just don't see them survive as long sometimes. By the way, I miss Abraham. I just love the way that guy talks. And I'm glad they brought him back for the finale and just had a chance. It was almost like a goodbye to Abraham, too. It was a goodbye to Sasha and building up to that. But it was a goodbye to Abraham, and I thought that was awesome. I'm definitely going to miss him moving forward. Kind of like Herschel uh, when he came back in the season finale, uh, when or the, season, the, the episode before the season finale where Rick bit that guy's throat out, and you saw 
uh, Herschel coming back after a few episodes of him already being dead. It was kind of cool to finally see a character we've been missing so long to kind of be back on screen. I also, when you saw them, you're going after the whole battle, and they see her as a walker, and Jesus goes and puts her down. I mean, that was kind of sad, too. Yeah. Well, he, he held yeah. her down for yeah. Maggie to do right. it, because yeah. you could see she was yeah. emotional, too, but, uh, but that whole speech that Maggie gave yeah. at the end was oh, yeah. another thing, too. And about that's a whole thing that will also, you know, at the end of the episode, it's like the difference between Sanctuary and Negan's group and the what I call the triumvirate of Rick, Maggie, and King Ezekiel, and that group is that this group is, you know, Maggie's group is based on family. And the other one is based on sheer intimidation and mm -hmm. brutality, and which is going to win. I mean, that's, that's the whole concept of the war. I think. And what is going to help build an alliance? Mm -hmm. That's the other thing, because now I think Negan's going to be trying to, if there's other groups mm -hmm. out there, he's going to try to enlist their help. And that is going to be the um, kind of the hook for the triumvirate, as you will. Is like we aren't going to threaten to kill you in that case. No capricious malevolence. All right, one question I have for you guys, actually two, but quickly, what did uh, what was the deal that the saviors made with the garbage people? He said twelve, and then she wanted ten. Do you know what that was? Were about? they talking about people? Like you it get, sounded like that's it. what I thought. It's like you, we will give you ten people. You know because people are a resource. I think that's what he was talking about because guns, it wouldn't be 10 guns. I no. mean, that's too few. So I think they were, he was talking about people. Okay, I could see know, that. And then- know, um, Workers, the, you know. Another thing was when Dwight left his little figurine and said, didn't know, yeah. what was he referring to there? Probably didn't know. Go ahead, Mike. You were oh, yeah. No, I was going to say that he didn't know that Negan knew. He didn't know that the scavengers were a part of this thing. Because I think Dwight actually would have told him if that was the case. Now, you probably would have thought maybe that, that thing could have been from Eugene. That's Eugene's, what I thought initially. I think Eugene's yeah. still trying to play a part here because he's helped Sasha out. And he's, he's comfortable. He's comfortable, Eugene. But I think he does have certain alliances to people that have cared for him and made him feel important before. And I don't think Negan's dis essentially done that yet. And I'll say this, I don't want to play poker against Eugene because the way he had a straight face against Negan when he was like, how did she die in that coffee? Yeah, oh, I know. And do you think that Negan has a clue that, that Eugene was in on it? I mean, do you think that he's planning, has other plans for Eugene? I don't know. I mean, is Eugene that valuable to him? Because Eugene does, quote unquote, have the knowing of a lot of things. Or he is able to put up a lot of bluster like he does, like I was part of the genome project. And, you know, <laughs> so... I think that, yeah, at, at this point, Negan probably is like, well, I didn't die, and the other guy died, so whatever. So he'd probably keep Eugene around. My question is, if it is people, as you brought up, Karen, that Negan would have to give to the trash people, do they now start have to talk like the trash people? Because that is a unique language, and we're only like, what, two years or three years into this new world. So how did these people get a brand new language? And, I mean, it's still English, obviously, like we're watching it, but they... Up, up, up. Yeah, right. I mean... Yeah, it's de-evolution, de I guess, of the English language. It's gotten, you know, coarser and shorter and... I don't know what the word for it is. I'm turning into a trash person. <laughs> Not then, good English. <laughs> and then the whole like sing signaling flares. Like, were they yeah. trying to signal more people, or I don't know what that scene was about. I think they were trying to signal that we're heading back. And okay. because remember, they put did the whole smoke bomb to to mask how they were getting out. 
and at the very end they were still trying to drive them back. It, it so, also attracts yeah. walkers too. Yeah. So if you want right, to nice. all of a sudden find a way out, let's get them, uh, you know, dealing with walkers when trying to escape at the same time. And I think the wolves had done something similar actually, right. trying to get away is in that in that light right there. But let's go to the battle real quick, and we saw a bunch of characters that we haven't seen a lot of this season. We haven't seen a lot of Carl this season, and Carl was willing to turn around Carl real quick. Carl was a badass. Carl turns around with a revolver <laughs> yeah. and takes out three saviors yeah. and or scavengers at that point. Right, right when it turned, right when Sasha comes out of the coffin, he just doesn't hesitate. Bam, bam, bam. You know. Well, it's a great time everything. to do it. Yeah. And right. you know, and you, that's another right. evolution of Carl and his yeah. character to kind of turn around and know that everybody's not focused on the the yeah. main threat, which is everybody right. pointing guns at each other, yeah. and how. The garbage people didn't take guns when they had their when they had them surrendered. Basically, is beyond me. But then Rick was like, "We're not handing over our guns and all that <laughs> stuff." So. Yeah, it was very Rick-like from Carl, which is actually cool because I've been a little annoyed with Carl as a character, as I'm sure we all have at some point. And if he turns more into like more into Rick, I'm pretty glad that he's sticking around, even with all these outside rumors about you know going to college or anything like that. I thought he was going to die because I know that the you know the actor Chandler Riggs is scheduled to go to college so I thought okay they're going to kill Carl. Oh they're not going to kill Carl. Okay the tiger saved Carl. <laughs> so, or Carl. Maybe he's going to go to the University of Georgia. Yeah. I, think he's, yeah, really, I don't know. Now with Carl though you've made this point before that there's always a character who's in this troubled place that makes it just a pain for everybody. Latest, latest it's been Rosita who I think Sasha Sasha actually seen herself in Rosita to help her out that way. And here's Carl not even flinching when he's about to get his head bashed in yeah, by Negan. I mean, he's right. Like, he kind of understands this world now, much like his father does. Now we've seen Father Gabriel come running in. There's another guy who's developed yeah. over time who's been in that spot. Um, you know, it, we've had other Alexandrians that we've seen on occasion jump in. And then you see Carol back in action, back where she needs to be, and also Morgan with his uh, spear now, not his stick, right. or staff. Um, and that's going to be another character relationship scene going forward. I also found it interesting how you see at the final scene of the show, of the episodes uh, of the season finale, when Carol's kind of walking down the street, and there's her old boyfriend off to the side, and there's, like, no relationship Tobin. there. <laughs> Tobin! Team uh, Tobin! But then, he go, but then she goes off and sits next to Morgan, yeah. so that's going to be an interesting friendship flash relationship. You never know. So we want to know now what's next for this show. What's next for these characters? What are what's the next step for the triumvirate? As we are going to coin this phrase, they are the triumvirate for us, right, guys? Right. Karen, copyright that one. <laughs> okay. um, TM, TM, and uh, and the sanctuary, the saviors. So what is next? What are your guys' predictions as we go into season eight? For me, I, I'm just curious how it's all going to work out. So. I think the triumvirate has to all come to one spot, which is basically impossible. They've built lives in Alexandria, in the hilltop, and in the kingdom, and yet they can't protect all three places. So if they divide up their army and they choose to have their army, you know, split it three ways, obviously that's not enough. And if the if Negan's group, all of Negan, attacks one area, then they're screwed and they could just easily go through. So now, you know, do they do they put everybody back to Alexandria? Well, Alexandria is the least efficient out of all three. So they have the walls, but, I mean, the other groups have the walls, but Hilltop doesn't look big enough to hold everybody. The kingdom probably might be the best place overall, but I don't know if it's the easiest place to defend. So for me, that's what I'm going to kind of keep going through in my head is like, okay, well, what would I do now if I was one of the people in the group? And I don't really have an answer to that. So I'm glad that they left it 
open-ended so now i can kind of mull that over in the months until october when it starts up again i still i still feel we don't know the sheer mass of of the saviors because you see when uh, michonne tried to have that that one savior take her to negan and she took her to like that massive hill to see the entire like hundreds of people like i think there's a lot more saviors than we than we know about um so you know the war is gonna be interesting to see how they go about it but then um another thing i'm i'm very interested in seeing is are we going to see heath again from when he saved Tara, because he's missing. He's in, yeah. If he's in between filming 24. <laughs> well, I didn't even think of that. But he's still alive. Yes, he's, there's been no resolution to Heath, character what, in the what, comic book. What's that card mean? It was PPP. Remember that, where, where uh, Tara picked up the card where she, on the bridge? That's right, and I think that might have something to do with, I don't know if Heath left that, or if another group that picked up Heath. Mm-hmm. In that case, because it's kind of tough to get out of that situation on your own. And then the mystery person, Mm -hmm. do we still know who that is? Oh, yeah. Because the mystery person saw Carol walk down the street, I think, uh, back from the kingdom when she had killed those walkers and walking home. And she had not killed a walker, but somebody else had. And she was like, that's confusing. But there's somebody off to the side watching her. And I'm not sure if it's the same person that was at the end of the mid-season finale with the boots and the water. So I don't know if those are garbage people or what that is. Yeah. I thought that was uh, Richard with the Carol thing in specific. I thought yeah. it was Richard because he was outside the wall at that point, and then he ended up, uh, you know, trying. Like we we saw a little bit more about Richard, but we saw that he was like setting up um, the cards and like the arrow and everything like that. Okay. So I to me that was resolved, I but I don't. I forgot about the water and everything else. So I, I'm not really sure about that. Well, let me ask this: How much dissension do you think there? is in the ranks of the saviors because obviously it's one of those things where there's people who are favored and there's people who are on the bottom who are not very happy so do you think that there's the possibility because i think there's more people on the bottom than on the top for those you know bottom dwellers to rise up and kill or join rick because rick is going to need more numbers i mean that's obvious and he didn't make really make friends with oceanside by taking their guns and leaving them nothing and again, I don't understand why on Oceanside it was like either everyone goes or no one goes. That made no sense to me because I think that there were some people there who wanted to go and avenge their brothers and their fathers and their husbands and their sons. Yeah, I'm, I'm interesting to see, interested to see uh, with the doctor now being with the Saviors, right. how, how it's going to affect Maggie's pregnancy. Um, and also with Dwight being a captain basically in Negan's army mm-hmm. being on the good guy's side mm-hmm. how that's gonna play a role in next season I mean that's that's Benedict right there yeah for Negan <laughs> now this show what we're wanting to do is that we talk about other shows other pop culture related things so we're gonna just kind of close out here but real quick what else are you guys pick one show you guys are watching starting this April now that Walking Dead's over now that Walking Dead is over Fargo Better Call Saul for me. I have a huge fan of Breaking Bad, and even though Better Call Saul is kind of slow, it's definitely picking up, and I think we're going to see with uh, Gus coming back and a few of those other characters, it's going to be fun to see how that show evolves uh, in Season 3. For me, uh, you know, nothing actually until Game of Thrones really will uh, keep my interest. Uh, it'll be, you know, baseball season has started up, so um, kind of have to switch back into that. So in a way, I actually really appreciate the timeline of Walking Dead here. There won't be anything that'll be a must-watch for me each week. Um, although Criminal Minds is still like one of my all-time favorite shows, and I haven't watched that yet, but I got to binge watch uh, all of like season 52 or whatever they're on right now. And you know, it's funny. Walking Dead's 
uh, finale was on opening day, and it's funny how when they come back, it'll probably be in the playoffs. Great point, yeah, and the Cubs might be going for World Series number two, or, you know, a lot of Cubs fans will be crying, so. Or the apocalypse. You know, the show, when it first premiered, how many years ago, it premiered on Halloween. Does anybody remember that? No. The first episode was Halloween 2000, whatever, I can't remember, was 2007, maybe? 2000, no, it was earlier, later than that, I can't remember. About 2010-ish, I think. Yeah, 2010, right, 2010, Halloween. Well, for me, I'm looking forward to American Gods on Stars. If you guys read the book, if you haven't, please do read the book. New show is going to be fantastic. All right, that's going to do from here. It's the uh, Dead Talk podcast edition of the PIFCast. I want to thank Scott, Tony, uh, Karen. You guys want to give your, your Twitter handles? You're more than welcome to because people are going to want to talk to you about this stuff. Real quick, Scott. That's uh, at Scotty with a Y, Shag, C-H-A-G. Uh, at Tony Andraki 23 it's A-N-D-R-A-C-K-I. At K-G-O-A. <laughs> and I am at Mike underscore Piff 03. So you can find our show on michaelpiff.com, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And uh, until next time, guys. <laughs>